What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Brick layers and ball shorts. Coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amon Hawkins. I appreciate you rocking with me on this latest episode of the Ball Hawk Show. If you haven't, make sure you subscribe to the Ball Hawk Show. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the Ball Hawk Show. Hey, man, we got a recap. Duke versus UVA that took place this past Saturday. But before we get started, salute to the sponsors, Aber Insurance. Go to aberinsurance.net for all your insurance need. Service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years. That's home, auto, business, life insurance, all your insurance needs. Holler at Able Insurance. If you're looking for a property to invest in, if you're looking to upgrade, if you're in the process of moving in the Charlottesville area or the surrounding parts, make sure you holler my man, Connor Murray Realtor. Go to Connor Murray Real Estate on Instagram, hit him with a follow and DM him, DM him and go to Facebook, Connor Murray Realtor, hit that follow and holler at my man, Connor Murray Realtor. So let's jump right into it. Oh, sthujuice.com all episodes sponsored by my clothing brand sthujuice.com that's shut the hell up juice.com so but it's stsu all right as you can tell man i'm happy that i got my voice back happy that my jaw is at the pain threshold to where it, it doesn't hurt it's just stiff um so I can be as animated as I want to. I could be as loud as I want to again. So we back, baby. Just the little things in life that you don't appreciate. And when it's taken away from you, you realize how important it is to you. So I am thankful that I'm able to talk behind this microphone and discuss sports with you Wahoo fans and you Ballhawk fans. So let's go, man. Let's jump right into it. So the Wahoos won by a score of 48 to 14 over Duke. Uh, Both teams came into the game with identical records, and this was a pivotal coastal game. Uh, The Wahoos had lost two straight, while Duke was pretty much, you know, doing well. Um, They had recently lost to Pitt, but they beat the likes of Virginia Tech and and other teams that, you know, got people paying attention to what they was doing. So going into the game, one of my keys was how can we operate offensively? and defensively, can we generate turnovers? And both of those things came into fruition. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over the stats. We always go over the numbers. This is the first time listening to the show. I always love to give my stat fans the numbers because they love numbers and everything is numbers-driven right now. So you look at the first downs, UVA has 17 first downs to Duke's 14. 154 rushing yards for UVA. To 132 for Duke. Duke came in averaging a little over 180 yards a game. So we held them to 50 less yards. And we came in averaging just over 100, I think. Um, Do I have the? uh, I think I threw the sheet away. But 
Um, both teams ran the ball 41 times apiece. UVA averaged 38, 3.8 yards a rush, while Duke averaged 3.2. UVA had five rushing touchdowns. Um, net passing yards, UVA had 153, while Duke was limited to just 118. Total offense, UVA held Duke to under 300 yards of total offense, 250 yards. We gained 307. Duke ran 71 total plays. UVA ran 66 total plays. Uh, When you look at time of possession, UVA dominated there, having the ball almost 10 more minutes, 34 minutes, 29 seconds to 25 minutes and 31 seconds. A third down conversions, UVA was 7 of 15 while Duke was 2 of 14, and then fourth down conversions, Duke was 3 of 6. Two of those came on um, where one was a bobble punt that they had to block. They had a a fake on to go to the right, but the punter dropped the ball and went to the left and, you know, outflanked Snowden a little bit. Then the second one, they just faked, and I don't think it's a big deal. But, hey, um, you know, that's something for the special teams coach to make sure that everybody understands their assignments, but we was pretty much punishing them and, you know, you want to fake punts, you just fake punts that late. It wasn't a big deal to me. Um, Duke had more sacks than what we did. They had two sacks, two R, one. And when you look at individual stats, Quentin Harris came in leading Duke and rushing. He led them in rushing with 37 yards. Deion Jackson had 35 yards. And on Virginia side, Wayne Tuala Papa had 77 yards rushing, the Samoan slasher, and two touchdowns. Bryce Perkins had... 62 yards rushing um, and three touchdowns. Bryce Perkins had 22 total carries. Basically had 20 carries because the sacks count. He got sacked twice. So he had 20 carries for, well, he really had 20 carries for 73 yards, but the two sacks put him at 62. He lost 11 yards. Um, Wayne averaged 5.5 yards per carry, and we always want to see, uh, the Soma Moan slash to get increased carries, man, because I think he's a very good back. Um, his sudden quickness, his toughness, and um, I like the speed in which he, he plays at. You know, everything that's underneath him has great vision, and I'll get more into that when we talk about the offense. Uh, Tavares Kelly had a carry on a reverse for 17 yards, and Lamont, Lamont Atkins had one carry for five yards. Bryce Perkins throwing the football. He was 13-26, one interception. 140 yards, zero touchdowns with a long of 23. Lindell Stone came in. He had he was one of two, one interception and 12 yards. Quentin Harris was 13 to 26, two interceptions for just 88 yards, one touchdown. He was sacked once. Chris Kurt, well, how would you say his last name? Katrinick, two for four, 30 yards, one touchdown. Um, receiving. Joe Reed led us in catches with five catches, 45 yards. Hasis Dubois had four catches, 62 yards. And I'm talking about Hasis had some big body catches. I'm talking about pluck them out the air catches. He had the catch on the sideline when he toe tap with one hand. Then he came back the next very next play and big boy, the, uh, the other DB on the right side, like, boom, get off me. I'm Hasis Dubois. And then he had that one-handed jank on the pass interference that was so clean and mean. Oh, my God. Hasis, let me get the high-five signal Dubois 
four catches, 62 yards. Billy Kemp, two catches, two yards. Tanner Cowley had one catch, 19 yards. I like that offensive play when we got Cowley the ball. Um, an RPO type of look. Terrell Janet had one catch, 13 yards. And Wicks, who I think can be a future star at receiver, had one catch for 12 yards. Uh, returns, we had one punt return for two yards from Billy Kemp. And Joe Reed had two returns, 138 yards, a 95-yard touchdown. And y'all could keep kicking to Joe Reed all you want to. By all means, kick to Joe Reed. Delaney made both of his field goals. Salute to my man, Brian Delaney. Defensively, uh, Chris Moore led us in tackles with 12 in his first start of the year. 12 tackles. Salute to you, Chris Moore. Joey, pink lotion, blunt, 10 tackles, one interception. 12 yards, I mean 20 yards. Um, I, I want to say he forced a fumble, but they didn't, they didn't put the forced fumble under him. But I know he's ACC Defensive Player of the Week, so I salute to my guy, Joey Blunt, man. He's been on a mission this year. Think about Joey, man. We just got to keep him healthy because when he's healthy, he's a problem. We got Zane, Zandir, Zeus had eight tackles, three pass breakups. Yes, that's not a, a misprint. He had three breakups he got his hand on the ball three times and when i break down the defense you understand why i'm excited about that jordan mack had a sack and a tackle for loss uh for six total tackles elliot brown has six total tackles matt gam had five tackles two tackles for a loss jordan mack also had a forced fumble noah taylor had five tackles one forced fumble one tackle for a loss antonio clary had four tackles salute to him nick grant four tackles half a tackle for a loss Charles Snowden, four tackles, half a tackle for a loss, one fumble recovery, one pass breakup, countless QB hits. Nick Jackson had three tackles. Eli Handback had a, a fumble recovery, three tackles. Bernie, two tackles. Ahern, two tackles. Smiley, the third, two tackles. Uh, who else on defense? Devontae had one tackle and two pass breakups in his first start at corner. Or did he start a couple years ago at corner? I don't know. I'm going to give him the first start this year. And um, Mandy Alonzo had one from recovery. And Brent Nelson, my guy, said I told Brent he was going to get a pick before the game, and I'd be daggone he got a pick. I might need to play the lottery. Uh, but those are your numbers right there. Um, let's jump into the analytical part of the show. I know a lot of people enjoy this because this is why I give you my thoughts behind the X's and O's of what went on in the game. So let's start with... The defense. We're going to start with the defense first. Defense, y'all played phenomenal, man. They came out, in which I thought they would come out, just two true defensive linemen and four linebackers added an extra DB because of the scheme that Duke runs to try to spread you out. Um, and the dual threat that Quentin Harris is. I love the fact that we had Noah Taylor and Charles Snowden at our defensive ends in quotations standing up. Um, that read and react type of rush. Both of those guys, six foot five, six foot seven, respectively, long arms, very athletic, that basketball type of athleticism. And then you got Zane Zandir, who's, you know, six three, six four. I don't know how tall Zane. I know he's tall. And he had nineteen receiving touchdowns in high school in one season. So we know he could get up. And then Jordan Mack is a taller backer also. So all those backers, in my opinion, were at least like six three, six four, at least at the minimum. And then even Gam tall. So I love the fact that our defensive staff came with a game plan that was going to take away the passing lanes or the true quick passing lanes of a Quentin Harris 
and try to minimize that quick game in which they love to implore. They love to throw to the middle of the field, the middle windows, to put pressure on the linebackers, to allow that dude threat quarterback to just manipulate them with his eyes and with the quick throws early and then take advantage of them because they start to drop and take away the quick game and he starts to run. So if you paid attention to the game, a lot of times when we will rush our backers on that A-gap stunt that we usually run, you will see Noah Taylor or Charles Snowden, or both of them at the same time, kind of run a game with the defensive tackles to where they would step up the field and then they they would fall inside to those A gaps. The A, B is gaps. More of the B gap. Because anytime a a quarterback feels like he's getting blitzed, he's going to have a sight adjustment to a slot guy. And usually that C gap, B gap window is the window that the ball goes through. And the fact that he was a shorter guy, it eliminated the right now throw and it made him change the trajectory trajectory of his throw to it had to be more touch. And that's why you saw Zane. That's why you saw, I want to say Mandy Alonzo. Yeah, Mandy Alonzo got his hand on the ball, Snowden. But that's why when when I talked about Zane having three pass breakups, that was just Zane anticipation and his ability to use his God-given height and athleticism to get up there and get his hands on the ball. And one of the times, Zane was actually 10 yards downfield and got his hand up and hit the ball. I mean, they those guys, just their awareness, their ability to understand the soft zone, soft spots in the zone, that comes from film study, that comes from repetition, that comes from their coach repeatedly ingraining in their brain the landmarks that they have to hit. A lot of times, let me tell you something, fullbacks are contact, I mean, Linebackers are contact magnets. It's hard for them to get into their drops. It just is. Usually you tell them to go seven yards, they'll go four. That's just because they won't contact at the line of scrimmage. They they don't want to leave the line of scrimmage. So the fact that Zane was fully dropping, the fact that um, Snowden and and, and Noah were were peeling in and really using that mirror technique to anticipate the throw and getting their hands up, it just shows a lot of discipline and shows a lot of trust with the brothers around them to understand that Bryce Hall is down, but we're not going to change what we do. And if we're not going to change what we do, what we're not going to do is be a sitting duck and allow Devontae Cross, who's still getting his feet wet as far as playing on the island, give receivers more time to run more than one move. And I love that. That's what occurred to me. And then Coach Bronco talked about it in his press conference of just having an understanding that we know Bryce is gone. But if we stay true to ourselves, we can actually help out a guy that's inexperienced as far as playing corner by eliminating the double throws, the double moves, I'm sorry, by making it so simple for you to either just drive or just pattern read without the worry of two moves. And that's why it was great that our defensive coaches stayed true to themselves, but at the same time, doing little wrinkles to take away quick, quick throws so guys wouldn't be set up with hitches, 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 and a hitch and go, or slant, 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 then a slant and go. And that's what I love about our defense. And, and look, man, coming to the game, everybody was like, yo, where are the turnovers? We got all these sacks. You look at all these top defenses around the country. You look at the, the defensive lines that went up against us. When they get a sack, they usually form a strip sack. They get that short field. They turn into the points. Where is that at for our defense? And our defense responded by generating two picks generating three fumbles and majority of them were on their side of the 50 when we when our offense got the ball 
So that's why when you look at the stats, it's not impressive. And you're like, well, how did they score so many points? Short fields. We won the field position game. And then special teams came into play. What can you say about Coach B and the special teams, man? Joe Reed is the GOAT at kickoff returns here. This episode is brought to you by Carvana. Carvana is in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. They even offer customizable financing so you can plan your down and monthly payments. To shop thousands of affordable vehicles 100% online, download the app or visit Carvana.com. Availability may vary by market. And UVA, one of the GOATs in ACC history. The dude averages damn near 40 yards of kickoff return this year, and everybody in America know he's that deal. And look, every kicker can't kick it out. And yes, you might be better off kicking it, out of bounds but let me tell you something there's other special team coaches and there's other special team players that want to earn their stripes and pride is a hell of a drug and that's what it is we want people to be prideful because we take a lot of pride in our return unit and joe reed takes a lot of pride in his ability to return kicks so yes people keep saying why they keep kicking it to joe reed and i'm saying why not keep kicking it to him it's doing us some good it helps coach and i Open up his playbook that much more. And speaking of coaching now, let's go ahead and transition to the offense. What can you say about the offense? Here's here's what I'm going to say about offense. We've been killing coaching now. Not literally. But we've we've been holding his feet to the fire with accountability for two straight weeks. Ever since the first half of Notre Dame, so from the second half of Notre Dame in the full game of Miami, everybody been talking about Coach Knott. You got people who really want Coach Knott by the head quick, fast, in a hurry right now. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump your brakes because I seen the true potential in him, and it's there. I seen the play. That's why I me, mean, I'm kind of like, everybody like, Coach Knott, your boy. You be babying Coach Knott. It's like, yo, man, when you see that somebody is capable of something, you usually invest more time and more patience into them. And that's me with, with doctor now. Like, I seen it. Now, it ain't the fact that I'm around them and I talk to them because I'm one of them. I ain't no me too friend. I'm one of the friends that'll tell you straight up, hey, dog, that ain't it. No. Like, if you was a box and you got knocked out, I'm that friend. I'm like, yo, man, what you think about when you was on the canvas before they counted to 10? Like, could you tell they was counting to 10? And did it hurt when he hit you? And when you got up, I mean... Was you thinking about the check you about to get or was you really mad he just knocked you out? Like, can you talk trash after somebody knocked you? That's I'm that friend. So that's why I'm just challenging him. I had Kurt Benkert on here. Just the issue a challenge because a friend is going to issue a challenge. They're going to try to reveal that greatness in you. And I feel like Coach and I utilize schemes and formations and, and, and route combos that made us that much more dangerous on offense. It also utilizes the athleticism of Bryce Perkins. It also utilizes the tools that uh, Joe Reed has. It also utilizes what, what, uh, what the Samoan Slasher can do because people don't realize he can catch out the backfield and the true top end speed he really has. He's that kid. Can, that kid can run. He can run. So this game was a way for you to kind of breathe a sigh of relief, like okay. He did take accountability. Other than the red zone shotgun power, I don't really care for that because if you're at the one or two yard line, why are you hiking it three yards deep 
and now you got to run five just to get two. I don't like that. Now, I do like the QB power because in football, when you run with your quarterback, you got 10 blockers. So you could initially leave somebody on the backside unblocked and just run to the strong side and you outnumber them. So that's why a lot of teams run, you know, whether it's a QB sneak, a QB. Amp- oh, let me hold, hold, hold. Let me backtrack. Fans, we got to have a come to Jesus mode moment about Bryce Perkins y'all heard me my last podcast I tell you if it's Perk and linebackers I don't want you throwing it to the sideline to get three I want the barbecue chicken man to come out to get me 30 because that's how special he is running the football and when and when Bryce Perkins is the feature guy because Brendan Armstrong is back and coach verified that with Brendan Armstrong back and now Bryce healthy don't have the knee brace that they can utilize him more in the running game and coach doesn't worry about a certain number of carries that he gets it's just one of the things is like the one thing that made everybody love Bryce Perkins last year was his ability to run just how explosive exciting he is everybody loved that Bryce Perkins was running isn't that amazing and then as soon as we started winning it's like oh wait a minute we got to start giving it to the backs we don't want him to get hurt like this is football. This is football. I get it. Everybody's caused a pause. I know Bryce Hall went down. But when somebody is a dual threat, you just can't make them a threat now. You can't take away the dual. And and, and they did that. So when Brendan Armstrong went down, Coach Mendehall was very transparent during this press conference today. And he talked about when Brendan, when, when Brendan was out that they did make the decision not to run Bryce that much anymore. They did make the decision to say, okay, we'll just let him run if he's scrambling. But as far as quarterback design runs, we don't want to do that because Brendan is hurt. So, yes, we, we got handicapped. So that, that, that leads me to this. If Brendan wasn't available and they, didn't, and they listened to you guys, the fans, that wanted – us to not use Bryce as much because he could get hurt. And teams realize that we can't use Bryce as much because Bryce helps the running game execute that much more easier because of the inside zones, because guys just can't dive down the running back. That's why in the spread it, it helps when you have a, a dual threat or a quarterback with a threat to run because somebody has to have quarterback. Somebody has to stop. And that unblocked guy is the guy that you use to influence to not chase the ball down from behind. And we wasn't getting that. Everybody was just diving down because they knew they're not running Bryce that much. So that's why it was a shock to Duke when we came out and we ran a quarterback draw the first play of the game. Why was shocked on third and 15, we ran another quarterback draw. Why on second down and short, quarterback draw, quarterback draw. We ran Bryce a lot. But do you understand how that opens up everything? If you run in Bryce Perkins, do you understand how the island coverage has to come into play? Because you got to bring a safety down. You got you you got to eliminate your linebackers now in coverage. Because he will gas you. If he's getting five yards, because Bryce is getting down now. So if he's getting you five yards and sliding, five yards and sliding, four yards and sliding, seven yards and sliding, that's demoralizing to linebackers. Because sooner or later they're going to tell the linebackers and the defensive end, stay in your lanes. Now we got to start 
having educated pass rushes. We want to keep them in the box. So what does that mean? We're not going to come in the field as violent anymore because he's running and they're featuring him as a runner. So now we got to just come up and read first. And while you're reading, now we can get the ball out with swing passes. Now we can run our inside zone reads because they're reading. They're not getting the push. And that's allow our linemen to come downhill. So that's why I don't mind Bryce Perkins running around. No, we're talking about Bryce Perkins, three to the neck. You can't have fear playing this game. You can't. You can't always have that what if. If you lived in the what if world, would nothing get done or accomplished? Because you sitting around thinking so much. You ain't going to be doing nothing. You thinking about what if this happened. But going back to the offense, man, some notes that I had. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, as far as the defense, this I want to say about Devontae Cross. You know Devontae Cross remind me of? A young Juan Thornhill. Very good athlete adapts well. You remember Juan was a safety, then went to the corner, and people were so worried about him. You know, like the Louisville game, they got a catch behind him. And then Juan settled down, came into his own because he really started working on his craft of being a the corner. Then all of a sudden, last year, he go to safety, his natural position, but everybody was going to miss him at corner. And then a dude named Bryce Hall came into his own. Then you had Bratton and Tim Harris coming to their own. But Juan Thornhill ended up going to the Chiefs in the top three-round pick. Don't don't be surprised, Devontae, man. I'm not saying he won, but Devontae's cut from that same cloth. Super athletic, could jump out the gym, very good speed, long arms, savvy, has the mental fortitude to be great, is pissed off for greatness. That's Devontae Cross. And he reminds me of Juan. He does. I think he's the next in line because, because Joy Blunt is like Quinn is, with a little bit more. He's like Quinn. He's like Quinn to me. And then you got Brendan is, is, is just your classic nickelback. I don't even look at him as a safety. He's a nickelback. He's a kid that could cover in space, can tackle, can just a, 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 a jack of all calls. But when you talk about Devontae, he's that one. And then you got Nino on the side as just a kid who's just a worker. is just going to master everything you challenge him to master. And that's what I love about our secondary because we got a master teacher, Nick Howard, that knows how to get the best out of each and every player because he prepares them mentally to see and know things so much that they just react. But let's get back to the offense. Oh, and I want to talk about Noah Taylor also having a very good season. Put some respect on Noah Taylor's name, man. Somebody said he snowed in 2.0 and he retweeted, no, I'm Noah Taylor 1.0. That's facts. That's facts. But offensively, man, um, we started off shaking. I feel like Bryce had to get used to having the running backs as a uh, passing option. You can see it because a lot of times the backs came open quick and Bryce wasn't used to them being out on the routes and his muscle memories. He was still reading the same. Anytime you have a back, you have an additional uh, body being thrown out there that defenses don't usually see. They would usually pop open early, and that's what was happening. Duke wasn't covering our backs, and they were open. But Bryce was so accustomed to having to have this many passing targets on this side that he wasn't checking his backs. And a lot of people said, man, he's not seeing the backs. He's not seeing the backs. And I'm saying to myself, hey, man, 
if you ain't used to having something, you ain't going to start looking for it until, you know, you start practicing it. And that's why I thought was happening that Duke did a good job of using zone coverages, understanding that, hey, we'll take our chances if he throw it to the back. And then on the interception, the thing about Bryce that hurts him is when he scrambles to his left or right, he doesn't really sit down and and throw like his mind is telling him to. So on the interception, um, Joe actually Joe popped open. Uh, but I think he felt some pressure in the A-gap and he avoided uh, the gentleman that tried to sack him. And when he went to the right, he he, he saw open receiver. Um, I think it was um, transferred from Richmond. And he was going to the middle of the field. And Bryce's mind was telling him, throw to the middle. But Bryce's right foot wasn't planted. And he kind of just muscled it. And when he muscled it, it came out hot. And it didn't go to the left. It went to the right, right behind the receiver. And that's the thing about Bryce. He's so dynamic that he's trying to run first, but he wants to keep his eyes up. See, a guy that is a passer first will actually keep two hands on the ball and their feet are within the shoulder width and they always plan it to to throw. Like you ever see Aaron Rodgers, they take short, choppy steps and then boom, they let it flip. I mean, Aaron's a bad, he's a bad example because we're talking about one of the best, but a, a, a natural thrower like Bryce is a superb athlete that can throw and his threat is his legs, and you could tell Bryce really wanted to take off, but he saw an open receiver, and he threw it. And it was a great, it was a great idea because I knew what he saw and what his mind was telling him, lead him to the middle. And he was, and the ball just came out early, and then it was hot, and it came out behind him. But um, early on, it looked like Bryce was struggling to read coverage, and I think it wasn't even the coverage. It was just the back was open. It was taking away his threats, and he was forgetting that, his backs was open. So that's why a lot of the throws were on time. A lot of people kept saying, oh, the running back's wide open, the running back's wide open. And you're absolutely correct. And I know Bryce will work on that because that'll be the next phase, the next phase of being cognizant of, hey, Wayne is going out on a wheel route right here. I know his seats is going to pop open on this post, and he's my first read. But since we've run that enough, they're going to look for a seats because a seat's been killing. Let me see what happens if I give him a little shoulder and throw it out to Wayne because Wayne was wide open on that on that uh, dig route that well, I think it was just a bang eight that has ceased caught over the middle that has ceased to just caught and ran straight up the field, but he tried to put people on the dun to dunts. Wayne was streaking up the sideline. Somebody was like, oh, he missed him. That was a touchdown. I'm like, yep, you're right, but hey, we can't kill the kid because Anai's now making a veteran. This was the Anai that I used to see at BYU because Anai will always utilize his backs. Anai will always put the pressure on you to use your linebackers in coverage. And for some reason this year, these past two years, we didn't utilize the backs as much as we could. And I don't know if Jordan Ellis was capable. That's why we bring in Chris Sharp. Uh, but now you see him putting Joe Reed at H back, Joe Reed in the backfield, Billy Kemp in the backfield. And he demonstrates that he's he can get busy back there, man. Like, Anak can get busy with the play calling. We just want consistency, right? That's the thing. We want you to be consistent, Dr. Anad. That's all we want. Be consistently great because you've shown flashes. The Florida State game, the first half of the Duke game, ODU, we needed some scores. We just don't want that Miami jank. We don't need that at all. Throw that Miami. Whatever you did in Miami, throw that away. We don't need that. But now on, what you show versus Duke, and what you show versus Florida State and what you show in the first half versus Notre Dame, that's the film you look at. From now on, that's how you call a game, okay? That's how you call a game. There's a lot of folks still kind of eh about you, but you know your boy, I speak to the real. That's how you call a game, Coach and I. 
God dang it. You can serve some shut the hell up juice off that game you call. Okay. That's what we could do. And you put three to the neck as a as a viable threat. And he we eating barbecue chicken when three going against the back in the open field. I'm trying to tell you. He had two leaps over also. Three rushing touchdowns. First time since somebody did that since Sean Moore did it way back versus Georgia Tech. Salute to three to the neck. Salute to uh, Simone Slasher. Two rushing touchdowns, man. I love to see when that young man runs the ball. Um, it was good to see Wicks at receiver as well. It was good to see TK with a reverse. Um, I know a lot of folks want running backs rotating. Look, Coach and I and Coach Bronco want feature backs. I'm old school too. I want one back. What, what now I say, give me one mic, give me one back. I want one back to get the touches. If you got two, you got kind of two minutes to get the ball to. We got a lot of weapons. Every time I see somebody that's supposed to be the ball hawk, they need to get the ball to him more. Ball hawk, they need to get the ball to this dude more. Ball hawk, get the ball. I'm like, God damn, we got a lot of weapons. That's a good thing. Can't get the ball to everybody every game. It was up to me. I'm like, yo, throw it to Chapman deep. That's who I, I mean, probably because he wasn't number nine. And then same thing with Billy Kim. He wasn't number 80. Then I like Tavares. Oh, give it to him. Then y'all know I love Aziz. Give it to him. Then Joe B, give it to him. Give it to Wayne. Give it to Atkins. Give it to Peacock. Give it to Hollins. I'm like, give, give it. Give it to Cowley. Give it to everybody. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. If we give it, that means we scoring a lot of points. But it don't work like that. So that's all I got for y'all, man. It's been over 30 minutes. You know, I don't like the podcast to be that long. But y'all can tell that I'm so happy I can talk again with no pain. No Petty Hawk today. Petty Hawk was actually interacting with some Virginia Tech fans. Have a little bit of fun. Um, I promise I won't get disrespectful. I'm just having fun. They get mad at me, and I don't know why. But uh, I don't know, man. They're just angry people. Angry folks down there in Bleaksburg. But... It's the Ball Hawk Show, man. You know the motto, good is the enemy of great. Be great in everything that you do. If you want to support the Ball Hawk Show podcast, go to Anchor. It's the option on anchor.fm when you go to the Ball Hawk Show on how to support the show each month. If you just want to donate, cash app, Venmo, the name is Ball Hawk LLC. And if you want to buy your Shut the Hell Up Juice shirts, go to stajujuice.com. Salute to the sponsors. Salute to the fans. Y'all go hard in the paint. Salute to my guy RVA and the Hill Podcast. Salute to Cavs Corner, my man Brad Franklin and them. Um, salute to my man Jeff White. Salute to the Saber.com. Salute to my man Damon Dillon, the only camera dude I know that's smiling the whole time he recording. Like, what are you smiling at, Damon? Why? Why? Come on. Why are you smiling? And, um, yeah, man, it's the ball hawk. We out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.